Washington State looks to improve to 5-0. and Colorado looks for their fourth win to go over their win total. What are the keys to these games? We're going to get to all of them on today's Locked On Pac-12. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon-to-be-mostly team-free, but until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions like comment, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Biggest keys, predictions, and a couple of housekeeping items coming up on uh, today's episode. But let's start with the biggest keys, and we begin with the biggest game of the week. And no, that is not Deion Sanders in uh, Colorado. Lest you think I just talk about Dion because I, you know, want people to tune into the show. I'm talking about whatever the biggest story is, and that right now is Washington State because Oregon and Washington are on a bye. Utah is on a bye. USC has a game that I don't think they can lose this week, but Washington State is looking to further solidify their case as a Pac-12 title contender in 2023. Get used to saying it if they beat UCLA tomorrow. And they have an opportunity to do just that against UCLA. My my one, I don't know if it's an objection because I have Washington State power rated third in my rankings that I did on Tuesday's show in the Pac-12 behind Oregon and Washington, who I have on top. My one reservation, shall we say, or one remain to be seen is I need to see a power five win on the road for Washington State. And I think they're going to get it this week. But there's one thing that's going to define each and every game. So let's go through those four keys, and then I'll get to my picks later in the show. Start with Washington State at UCLA. Who wins the line of scrimmage is going to define the game, particularly the Bruins offensive line or the Cougars defensive line. Look back to last week. When UCLA went up to Utah, what did we see? An outstanding defensive effort. They allowed just seven points. They actually allowed the same amount of points as Oregon State did this past week against Utah with the same collection of backup quarterbacks playing, but they did it on the road, which is arguably more impressive. I'd say it is more impressive. UCLA's defense is much improved. The offense, as I thought coming into the year, has taken a step back without DTR. They've established Dante Moore as their starter. I think that's the right move. He's still a true freshman, looked like it last week. When UCLA's offensive line was outmatched a week ago in Salt Lake City, what happened? He went 15-35 passing with a pick six, and the offense put up just seven points. So if that Bruins offensive line holds up, if they're able to run the football the way they want to, if they're able to give Dante more time and he's not under duress from Brandon Jackson and Ron Stone Jr., then UCLA definitely has a chance to win the football game. And for Washington State defensively, it's a great defensive staff, led, of course, by Jake Dickert, their head coach, who I really, really like, as we have talked about here on the show, with good reason. That has to be there for the Cougs defensively. Because if you give Dante more time, he's not going to put up 400 yards the way that, uh, that, that Cam Ward is capable of, if given time. 
but he could give he could do enough. He could do enough, and he is still making just his second start against a Power 5 team, and it's a pretty tough couple of first starts for him. You start with Utah, arguably the best defense in the Pac-12, certainly the best defensive culture over the last 10, 15 years in the league, and you have to do it on the road. Now he gets to come back home where he's had success, but thus far, at home, he hasn't played a team as good as Washington State, and there are two really good edge rushers there who can cause havoc, and if they do, UCLA is in trouble. UCLA's in big, big trouble. But that line of scrimmage battle, UCLA's offensive line, Washington State's defensive line, that'll define the game. Colorado at Arizona State. Biggest thing that defines the game, Colorado's offense. If they find the same sort of success that they had last week against USC, and Arizona State, I think, has better defense. But if you look at what Colorado has been able to do this year, at their best, they're top three or four offense in the Pac-12, certainly in the passing sense, right? They've only run the ball well against USC. Maybe they found something in the ground game. They've certainly found something in Amarion Miller to compliment Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn to give to Shadur Sanders when Travis Hunter gets back. That's a really good lineup of weapons. But Colorado this year at their best has been a wildly productive offense. They had over 550 yards of offense against the Trojans last week. Arizona State is not capable of doing that. So if Colorado's offense gets going, they average 440 yards per game this year. Arizona State averages 336. Colorado is top half. Arizona State is close to the bottom in the Pac-12 in total yards per game. This comes down to ASU's defense against Colorado's offense. Because if the Buffs offense gets into a rhythm, gets things going, if Shador goes for over 300 yards and a couple scores, Arizona State does not have the offensive firepower to hold up. They just don't. They cannot keep up. So it is about Arizona State's defense to keep them in this game. I've said all week I like the buffs. Full prediction will come later in the show. But that's the biggest thing is what does Colorado do offensively? Because if they get it rolling, the Sun Devils can't keep up. How about this for, for Oregon State at Cal? Interesting game here. Under the radar, as I said yesterday. Are we surprised that Oregon State and Cal, which I believe is on the Pac-12 network, is flying under the radar? I'm not. Those are two under-the-radar teams. More so Oregon State than Cal, of course, who have been, eh, you know, kind of what I've expected this year. Thought they could have beaten Auburn, which they should have, but, you know, I'm over it. I'm kidding. I'm not. Anyway, so here's the biggest question in this game. I originally, when I was getting ready for the show, had down in my notes, hey, w- which version of DJ Uyunglele is going to show up? That That's what will define the game. Mm, then I thought about it more. I thought about it a little bit more after that, and I did a, a little bit of a reversal there. It's not about the Oregon State quarterback situation, though that matters. The biggest thing that defines this game is Cal's quarterback situation. What do you get from Sam Jackson? I I mean, Cal's offense, when it's been good this year, they're able to run the football and they're able to have some semblance of balance, but they get Jaden Ott and Isaiah Afonso going. But what, what was needed to beat Oregon State this year? A great performance from a quarterback. Washington State didn't run the ball very well against this Beavers defense. Utah didn't do much of anything against this Beavers defense with a couple of backup quarterbacks. And that's what Cal kind of has right now is a couple of guys who are playing at a level above those similar to Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes compared to what you had in Cam Ward and Washington State. It's a lot closer to the former than the latter. So what is Cal able to do? Because I talked about yesterday on the show how you know, if Cal is able, uh, you know, the, one of the big questions going into this game is, you know, is Cal going to be able to throw the football? 
Because if Cal's able to throw the football, that's clearly how you have success against Oregon State. And you've got two legit weapons, Maven Anderson and uh, Jeremiah Hunter especially. Jaden Ott's really good too. But if Jeremiah Hunter gets loose over the top, you get him some 50-50 balls. If Sam Jackson gives him a chance, he's going to go make plays. He's going to be able to go and make plays. Now, on the other side of things, DJ Uyunglele, I mean, the, the, the question here, or the biggest key might just be which quarterback plays better. Which quarterback plays better? Is it Sam Jackson or is it DJU? So over DJ's first three games this year, he averaged 228 yards a game, or excuse me, over his first two games, he averaged uh, 73.6% completion percentage. He threw for almost 350 yards. They didn't need to throw it at all against UC Davis. Five touchdowns, no picks. In the three games since then, DJ Uyunglele, 50.5% completion percentage, yikes. 228 yards a game, not bad. Three touchdowns, four picks, yikes. He has not been good the last three games. So I think this comes down to DJU and especially Sam Jackson because Oregon State can win and win comfortably without DJU playing great. Cal cannot win if Sam Jackson doesn't play well. So that's what it comes down to there. USC and Arizona. Oh, oh boy. The game that I described uh, in risky fashion, unless uh, USC does something they haven't done yet, which is lose uh, to an inferior opponent in conference play. I have uh, made a statement that goes a little something like this. I do not believe that USC can lose the football game. So what's the key to keeping it closer for Arizona? Well, the key to finding the right hire these days is LinkedIn because every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All refreshed after a second segment sip. Let's talk about USC and Arizona before I get to the picks. What's the big question here? The big question, uh, Trojan fans are probably tired of hearing this, but is the defense ever going to get better? Are they going to make a statement? Are they going to step up? Are they going to put their foot down and say, no, we are better than you think we are. We are better than we have been. We can play at a championship level. They've allowed 34 and a half points per game over their last two matchups. Colorado, good offense, but look what Oregon did to them. Heck, look at what Colorado State did to them. Look what Nebraska did to him for a half. USC eh, didn't really do that. Arizona State, that's one of the worst offenses in the Pac-12. 28 points. Mm, that's not great. Now, USC's coming back home. USC's heard all the noise about the defense, heard all the questions, been asked all the questions, and all that sort of stuff. That's the thing that defines this game, is what does their defense do? I have my doubts because the evidence tells me uh, to have my doubts. And Arizona playing some pretty nice football this year, almost like they're a solid team, like... <clears throat> A certain podcast host predicted. Hmm. All right, let's get to game predictions and the Pac-12 prime picks in this game. In every game. There are just four this week, which, you know, I, I don't love. I wish there were more. I like doing five Pac-12 prime picks a week. Hopefully, I can put together a three and one. 
I'm off a three and two week. I'm a game under 500 on the year. So a three and one, dare I say a four and a week could go a long way in helping me get to my goal of, you know, at least over 50%, but really mid to upper fifties on the season. Let's start with the biggest game of the week, Washington state at UCLA, Cam Ward, Dante Moore, advantage Cam Ward, Jake Dickert, Chip Kelly. We'll call that a draw. Defensive lines, both really good. And we'll kind of call that a draw. Both defenses have been good this year. So when I look around and I see two offensive lines that are um, okay, but not great, UCLA's got dominated against Utah. Washington State's has been good in pass protection. They don't run the football amazingly well. And they're going up against a gnarly front four in UCLA, led by Laiatulaptu, who I'm a huge, huge fan of. And eventually this comes down to, well, wait a minute. If a lot of these things are equal, and you don't have a huge home field advantage at UCLA. I mean, there'll be a crowd. You know, it'll be a decent environment, but it's not going to be ruckus and rowdy. It won't be anything like you go up against at Martin Stadium up in Pullman. Won't be anything like Rice Eccles. Certainly not. I am tempted to look at Vegas and say, Vegas knows something. They're making UCLA a three and a half point favorite here for a reason. Last time a Pac 12 team was a three and a half point favorite at home against a top 15 opponent was Washington of last year. And it was an easy cover for the dogs. This is an instance in which I think Vegas is overvaluing UCLA's home field advantage. I think I think they are wrong for making Washington State the underdog here. And I think this continues. And Cam Ward is the reason why. If UCLA gets after him, he still has the ability to get outside the pocket. He hasn't turned the ball over yet this year. He's been so good. You cannot undersell how good he's been. So I look at what... UCLA was able to do against Utah a couple weeks ago and say, look, even if they do that against Washington State, sometimes Cam Ward can just make plays that Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson cannot. I think the Cougars go into UCLA, get their statement victory, win it outright, Cougs 30, UCLA 23. So I will, of course, take Washington State plus three and a half in this game. Nice to get over a field goal for sure. That half point hook working in the Cougs' favor, but I like them to win the game outright. Uh, so I'm on Washington State there, plus three and a half. Down to the desert in Tempe, where Arizona State is playing for the fourth time in their first five games. Excuse me, the fifth time in their first six games. Do I have that right? Yeah, I think I do have that right. So Arizona State played their first four games at home. They go on the road, they lose to Cal. Now they're coming back home. It's just a four and a half point dog. Vegas thinks this is a winnable game for the Sun Devils. I don't disagree. I talked yesterday on my range of outcomes segment that I feel like Arizona State, if all things go well and their defense plays really well, they can win the football game. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Colorado's offense has got three legit weapons. Shador Sanders is an NFL quarterback. The offensive line is bad, but they found something running the football last week. It was against USC. Sure, you're going up against a better defense overall to this point in the season in Arizona State. But I like Colorado's offense, and their firepower is way more than what Arizona State has got. And even on the road, where normally I'd have a question, say, I don't know, can they do it away from Folsom Field? Look at what they did at Oxen Stadium. That wasn't good. Hold on. People who have that thought and want to say, no, Colorado's not good. Colorado won't do X, Y, and Z, yada, yada, yada. Where did they go the first week? Oh, that's right. They went to Fort Worth to an environment that is going to be much more ruckus than what they'll face or that was much more uh, ruckus and rowdy and rambunctious, whatever other word you want to use in there. 
than what they will face down in Tempe, where Kenny Dillingham has been kind of imploring fans to show up, to activate the Valley, to get there. Maybe Colorado gets them there. But regardless, it's not going to match a week one atmosphere against a TCU team preseason top 20 off the national championship run compared to an Arizona State team that has lost on this very field to Fresno State 29-0. Colorado is capable of playing well on the road. They went and beat TCU, who's better than Arizona State on the road. I think they win this game. I don't think they blow them out. The line tells me that Vegas knows something, which is Arizona State's better than uh, people think, or Colorado's not as good as people think, or maybe they just don't think it's a good matchup. But I like this number. This is my favorite pick of the week. Colorado minus four and a half. I've got the bus 34, Arizona State 24. They get it done down in Tempe. Oregon State on the road this week. Oregon State on the road last couple seasons. Different team than Oregon State at home. Fact check true. Also fact check. Cal has, uh, you know, developed this nice little running battle with Stanford for who can have the worst home environment. Cal last week didn't have a whole heck of a lot in terms of fan support against Arizona State. They did against Auburn when an SEC team was in town. They had 45,000 there. It was awesome. But for everybody else, eh. you think Oregon State's moving the needle? I'm going to go with no. I mean, last week on the farm, Oregon fans outnumbered Stanford fans. That's how it appeared on television, at least. So this is not a massive home field advantage. Oregon State has to go on the road. There are difficult elements of that, sure. Beavs are favored by nine and a half. Big number to swallow on the road. I'm going to do so here. I've got the Beavs winning 27-13. I just look at what it takes to beat this Oregon State team, and you have to be able to throw the football. Look at the teams that have beaten them the last couple of years. Washington last year can throw the ball. USC last year can throw the ball. Like just, just keep going down the list. Washington State earlier this year can throw the football. That is not Cal's strength. They're at their best when the passing game is competent enough. Sam Jackson's not going for 330 yards and three scores here. I think Cal only puts up one offensive touchdown and a couple field goals. And I think Oregon State, look, I, I don't know that DJU is is going to you know suddenly have this massive game against Cal's defense because I think Wilcox is a solid defensive coach with some good players. And they played well last week against Arizona State. But I think the Bees run game can be enough here to get over that nine and a half point threshold. Oregon State 27, Cal 13, Beavs cover the nine and a half, I'll swallow it. Lastly here, to round out the Pac-12 prime picks this week, the game that I have dubbed unlosable for USC. I hope those words don't come back to haunt me, Trojan fans. I don't believe they will. USC has lost to Utah twice and Tulane in the Lincoln-Riley era. That's it. And yeah, they could have lost last week. They also could have covered. They were up 41 to 14 at one point, and then the defense struck for the Trojans, and they just let up and weren't able to contain the Colorado offense, and we saw how that all played out. But bottom line, Lincoln Riley, you go look at his time at Oklahoma, he rarely, rarely lost games like this. And I don't think he's going to lose it here. Arizona's been playing some good football this year. They have. They played well against Washington last week, held the Huskies to their lowest point total of the season. They played ball control. They were able to do enough defensively. They forced a turnover down in the red zone. I like what I'm seeing from Arizona. Like I feel good about having picked them to go to a bowl game this year. They're, they're sitting at 3-2, and two, and they played well. This is on the road, though. If it were at home, 
I'd give him more of a chance, but this is on the road against USC. I just can't get behind that Trojans defense. Even at home, 21 and a half. Failed to cover it last week on the road. Could they do it this week at home? I think Arizona's a little bit more of a complete team than than Colorado. Their defense is better. And Arizona's offense, clearly capable. Clearly capable. USC's defense, not capable to this point. USC wins. I don't think they have too much of a problem here. Maybe get an early scare, but eventually they ratchet it up. 41-27, Arizona covers 21 and a half. So, prime picks for the week. Washington State plus three and a half, Colorado minus four and a half, Oregon State minus nine and a half, and Arizona State plus 21 and a half in every game this week. Who's ready for a great weekend of football? Me, I am. Hope you are too. Today's episode of Locked On Pac-12 also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you like the Pac-12 Prime picks, by all means, bet away. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. If you don't like the Pac-12 Prime picks, fade away. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, couple housekeeping items here to wrap up today's show. Um, the Big Ten schedules are out, and it's you know kind of coming to reality of sorts. It's this you know, it hits you moment, you know, when you know something's going to happen, but then it actually starts happening. You go, oh, right. Yeah. So Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, the four most important television products from the conference responsible for the league, uh, you, you know, breaking apart and everyone else going to the big 12 and such and Oregon State, yada, yada, yada. We know all that sort of stuff. So those teams, I thought, would be in a pod together and they would play every year to minimize the travel. That is apparently not the case. So Oregon and Washington play every year, USC and UCLA, and the schedules are out for like the next four seasons. I think it's five, I think it's 2024, five, six, and seven uh, have all been released. Oregon and Washington is a protected rivalry as it should be. USC, UCLA protected rivalry as well. But in 2024, for instance, Oregon only plays one of the L.A. schools, whereas Washington plays both. So I, I, I found that to be curious that you wouldn't. It, it, it's just a reminder that they're trying to create the best television product possible. And they do not care about the onus they put on the athletes who have to endure this stuff. And I think that sucks for them. I think it sucks for a lot of people involved. It sucks for the fans. I think it's all terrible because it's like it's just wrong. Oregon's playing a conference game against Illinois. Washington's playing one against like Northwestern. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't look at all of them in detail. You can go check them out. But uh, those came out and, and it was just kind of popped up on my radar. I was like, man, this, this, this looks and feels even more wrong than I thought it was before. And I didn't like it beforehand. So. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd point that out. Last thing here uh, that I thought everyone should be aware of, uh, there's been a change to the transfer portal. So uh, the transfer portal has been a big subject in college football and it's causing all this change and coaches are talking, players are moving and yada, yada, yada. This is just a good thing to understand. So previously the portal had 60 days 
of availability, the NCAA has now shrunk that window down to 45. So the portal opens for 30 days, the Monday after conference championship games. That's early December. And it stays open for 30 days through the beginning of January. Anyone, by the way, competing in the college football playoff gets an additional five-day window in January since they'll be with their teams if they want to enter. And then the second portal window is still April 15th to 30th. That's not the only time you could see transfers come into your programs over the next several years um, because graduate transfers will now have a notification of transfer deadline of May 1st for the fall and winter sports and July 1st for spring sports for all grand tra- for all grad transfers transferring for the first time. I think the rules get a little bit tricky if it's uh, a second time. Like if you've, you know, graduated to a, or if you transferred to a school, used your one-time freebie and then you uh, graduate and can transfer, I think you have more flexibility actually. Uh, I, I didn't double check that, but uh, so that's the case for football. And then for basketball, the portal opens 45 days, the Monday after selection Sunday, which is of course in March. So that's when, you know, you'll see players start to enter the portal before teams maybe go to the NCAA tournament. Um, just a quick change there. And I thought that was a housekeeping item that, uh, was worthy of bringing up on the show. Hope you all enjoy the football. I know that I certainly will appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.